Well, if you've been with us at all over this uh, last month, you know that we've been doing a series throughout the month, month of March uh, on the cross. Usually, Good Friday comes and I, I attempt to express the significance of the cross in one short message in every year that feels like that's an impossible task. And uh, so this year we've taken these four whole weeks before Good Friday to think about the significance of the cross from different angles. Uh, last week, we talked about how the cross is the unmasking of the world. Uh, and meaning, the cross reveals the true character of the world. It reveals how broken and messed up the world is and how in need of repair it actually is. Because the cross shows what happens when someone who perfectly embodies grace and truth steps into this world. What happens? The world crucifies him. The cross reveals the world's addiction to violence and the pursuit of power. The cross reveals the world's tendency to seek self-interest rather than justice. It brings that all to light. And then on another week, we talked about how the cross is our salvation. If we human beings are honest about our condition, we have to recognize that we need salvation. We are enslaved. And traditionally, the church has recognized what we are enslaved to as sin, death, and the devil. Sin being our pathological tendency to always make a mess of things, to hurt ourselves, to hurt our neighbors, to hurt our relationships. And then, of course, the guilt that arises from those bad choices. We need to be saved from that. We need to be saved from our sin. We need to be saved from death. All of us long for immortality. The Bible says that God has set eternity in our hearts. But the world doesn't give us that. And we need to be saved from the devil and the forces of evil, the unseen forces of evil. If you've ever had the impression that there's more to the world than what you can see, if that's ever felt like an intuition uh, to you, and that what is unseen is not always for you, but against you, that is an accurate intuition according to the scriptures. The Bible affirms that, and we need to be saved from those unseen forces of darkness. And the Bible tells us that through the cross, Jesus has done what is necessary to overcome all three of those things, to purchase our salvation, and to give us victory over them. And then on another week, we talked about how the cross is our revelation of God. The Bible tells us that if you really want to know what God is actually like, you cannot do better than looking at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the full representation of the being of God. Jesus reveals what the Father in heaven is like. And so the cross reveals to us that God loves us more than we could ever imagine. Because through the cross we see that God is willing to bear our sin rather than destroy us, rather than condemn us. God is willing to absorb the guilt of our sin. He's, he's willing to absorb the pain of it and take it upon himself. The cross also reveals that God is not distant, but he's with us in our suffering. And then finally, one other week, we had a hard message where we talked about how the cross is our example. 
You know, sometimes it's helpful to think, when you think of the cross, right, it's got a, a vertical axis and a horizontal axis. So when you think of the vertical axis, think the cross reveals something about my relationship with God, right? And that's what we've been talking about so far. But the horizontal, horizontal axis represents the fact that the cross says something about our relationships with each other and how we're supposed to live. Jesus said that if we want to follow him, we have to be willing to pick up our crosses, which means we have to be willing sometimes to deny ourselves. We have to be willing sometimes to suffer for what is right and what is good. In order to really follow Jesus, we're supposed to be willing to love sacrificially for the sake of others. Following Jesus means being willing to forgive and to let go of our pride and be willing to humble ourselves. So the cross is an example for us. And tonight, I want to think about one more aspect of the cross. And this is a, this is a challenging one. Um, in the last scripture reading, Pamela read Jesus' cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? She also read it in Aramaic very well. Nice pronunciation. Uh, much better than I did a couple years ago. I think I said Yahi, Yahi instead of Eloi, Eloi. <laughs> but there's that line there that Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's, a, that's really something to ponder, right? That Jesus would say those words. Jesus, God in the flesh. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And here's what I want us to see tonight. I want us to see that the cross reveals, it is, it is where we learn that even when we feel abandoned by God, it doesn't mean that we actually are. Even when we feel abandoned by God, it doesn't mean that we actually are. On the cross, God the Son cries out to God the Father, Where are you? He feels abandoned. And I want us to appreciate just how significant this is. That God the Son would say this. You know, Jesus says in the Gospel of John, he says, the Father and I are one. And at the beginning of the Gospel of John, it says that in the beginning, Jesus was with God and was God. And I've never been able to wrap my mind fully around how somebody can be with someone and be that someone at the same time. That's a mystery that none of us will be able to fully grasp, but that's what the Bible says. And it's expressing this incredible eternal oneness between God the Father and God the Son, God the Father and Jesus. And yet, okay, Jesus, the one who is one with the Father and who has been with him since before the world was made, in this moment on the cross, he cries out and he says, where are you? To the Father, where are you? He feels abandoned. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? If not, that's great. That's awesome, if you've never felt abandoned. But it is a very common human experience for people to feel abandoned by God, for people to feel like they're just alone in the universe and on their own, victims of chance and fate, like there's no loving divine hand that cares for them. And that sense of abandonment that can arise from several different kinds of experiences, you know, one, one could be an experience of great suffering, 
like the kind of suffering that Jesus experiences on the cross. Uh, it could be a, a chronic illness that leads to this sense of abandonment. It could be, you know, a loved one suddenly passing away, especially unexpect unexpectedly. Whenever we feel like our lives are falling apart, maybe we read the book of Job and we resonate with him, um, that is when we can experience this feeling of abandonment. Where are you, God? And then a second way that we can sense uh, an abandonment from God is, you know, maybe your life isn't that bad, but you want to feel the presence of God, and it just feels like, sometimes it just feels like he's not there. You know, maybe you go to pray, and for whatever reason, you feel like you're talking to the air rather than actually connecting with your creator. People have experiences like that. Sometimes even great heroes of, of our faith express that there were times in their spiritual journey where they felt spiritually dry, where they felt like they would reach out to connect with God, and for whatever reason, they just felt like he felt absent. So that's another way that sometimes we feel... We feel abandoned by God. But the cross reveals that even in those times when God feels far away, he isn't actually far away. Why? Well, because Jesus, of course, is not just a man saying, God, where are you? Jesus is God in the flesh saying, God, where are you? So, Jesus is God, willingly experiencing the effects of sin, death, and the devil. Right? Because when we feel distant from God, ultimately, what is the cause of that? Sin, death, and the devil. Right? So in this moment, God in the flesh is feeling the effects of sin, death, and the devil. And so when we look at this moment, we should think, from now on, Okay, whenever we feel like saying, God, where are you? We should, we should think about the cross and realize, well, the answer is, he's right here. He's right here. He's right here with me. Because God also knows what it feels like to feel this sense of abandonment. God also knows what it feels like to feel the weight of sin, death, and the devil. God knows what it's like to travel through the valley of the shadow of death. And so when we look at Jesus, we can see he's not far away, even when we have this feeling. He's right alongside us. He knows the experience of it as well. But here's another reason why the cross reveals that even when we feel like God is far away, he isn't actually far away. When Jesus said those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was actually quoting a psalm. Did you know that? He was quoting Psalm 22. And that means that when Jesus quoted that line to that psalm, he probably wasn't just thinking about that one line. He's probably thinking about the whole psalm. That's the opening line to Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if we look at the rest of the psalm, we can see that Jesus doesn't think that God has completely abandoned him if he intends to apply this entire psalm. Because that's not where the psalm ends. That's actually just where it begins. So let's look at the psalm. I've picked out a few, a few verses from it. We won't read the whole thing, but some, some of the most striking parts of it. So the beginning. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning? 
Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and am not silent. I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Now, stop here for a moment. Isn't this amazing? how much this describes what Jesus is going through right now. This is a psalm that was written hundreds of years before Christ. But it's, uh, it eerily describes exactly what Jesus is going through, right? There's the, the people who are mocking. There's uh, the, the fact that even his bones haven't been broken, right? He says, I can count all my bones. That's a weirdly specific thing, right? They have pierced my hands and my feet. Uh, and this is a psalm of David. I don't know that David ever literally had his hands and feet pierced, so it's fascinating that he would write this, right? Um, people stare, gloat over me, they divide my garments. Um, so when Jesus quoted the first line of that psalm, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He must have had this in mind, right? And he must have wanted people to realize later, like, this was a prophecy about me. This was pointing towards me. Now, the psalm does not end with where is God. This is where it ends. For God has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. So the psalm does not end with, where is God? The psalm ends declaring that God will come to the rescue and that the result of this will be people all over the world turning to the Lord. So, when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We should hear God saying, number one, I am right here next to you in your suffering. Whatever you're going through, even when I feel far away, I'm right there with you. Okay? But we should also hear God saying, suffering is not the end of the story. If you trust me, there is resurrection on the other side of this, this trial. You might feel abandoned now. You might feel like I'm far away. But keep trusting in me. Keep picking up your cross. Persevere. If you trust in me, you will not be abandoned to sin, death, and the devil. In your lowest moments, you might feel like that. I know what that feels like. But that's not the end of the story. I'd like to take uh, just two minutes right now to reflect in silence on the cross. Um, 
if you found yourself asking lately, where is God? I've personally found that one way that I reconnect with God is just through silence and stillness. So we're just going to take two minutes now to sit in silence, to reflect on the cross, and then I'll come back and, and we'll finish. John 19, 28 through 30. Later, knowing that all was not completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. <clears throat> 